0: Good morning, everyone. I'm glad that you could be here today with us. I'm glad I could be here today. I'm still at home isolating on day five of my isolation for COVID. My symptoms have been pretty mild and I'm doing all right. So thank you for your prayers. We are working through the personal letters in the New Testament and currently working through 2 Timothy. I'm going to focus today mainly on three verses, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. I'm going to read to you from the NLT this morning. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong, teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. I like the way the International Standard Version says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. God-breathed. If you know me well, you know that I love images. For me, an image helps me to focus, to gaze deeply at something. Even when I think about text, I think about the book that I read the text out of, or the cover. Rubem Alves says, the mouth is the prisoner of the eyes tied down to the ground, lacking the words that would let it soar. This is true for me. If I can see the image of something, my mouth might be able to describe it. Although I'm aware that my words do not always paint a full picture. The image of God breath or God breathed has captured my imagination for so long, for a long time. In fact, I've looked back at many messages and I mention it. What a beautiful image. God breathing life into dead things into dirt, into dust, into words. And that image of God breathing or God breath runs all throughout scripture. It begins in Genesis 1 when God speaks into the darkness and creates everything. And I know that the text there doesn't say God breathed, but it invokes the image of God opening their mouth and exhaling creation. Out of the breath of God, the stars, the planets, the earth and the sun, the rivers and the oceans, the trees and the sky. And again, in Genesis 2, 7, it says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. The Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, says it this way, And God formed the man dust of the earth, and breathed upon his faith, face the breath of life, and the man became a living soul. Mm and breathe upon his face the breath of life. That's very intimate. It's very close. All of creation comes from God breath. But human beings are centered out here right in the beginning. It is highlighted that people are God breathed, that God breathed life into them. And I've wondered at this. The story is about God and his people. But why doesn't the rest of creation need to be reminded? It must be that we're forgetful. Right? We forget our, that we ourselves carry God breath. And then we forget that others also are God-breathed. We do terrible things to ourselves and then to others, so we need to be reminded. You have God-breath in you. You can say that about yourself, and you can say that about others. Many translations use the word inspired here in 2 Timothy instead of God-breath. But I feel like that's a, not a helpful image for us. Creation didn't breathe in. Or the word didn't breathe in. God breathed out and in. And he Wright addresses the issue with changing the word breathe to inspired. He says there's three things that are wrong with changing it. The first is that we think the word inspired means something beyond our normal capacity. So if a musician plays amazingly well, they were inspired. Or if, if an athlete performs at an exceptional level, they were inspired. But he states and he writes states that Paul uses the word in Second Timothy to mean "inbreathe," and that it means more like life," that there's life in it." The second thing he says is wrong is that we have an association with "Inspired that makes us think the author's mind goes blank and is taken over by another force, more like a dictation machine. And he says, you only have to look at the lives of the authors themselves to see how their personalities, their struggles, their jobs, all come through and are not taken away by God breath. In fact, they might be emphasized. And the third, the third issue he says when we change the word God-breathed to inspired is that when people use the word inspired for the Bible, they assume that their writers knew the whole picture, but they didn't. I hope this doesn't blow your mind too much, but when Paul was talking about scriptures, he wasn't talking about the Bible. When he said all scriptures God-breathed, he was talking about the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, He definitely wasn't referring to the letter that he was writing to his good friend, Tim. And he he closes, he says, "Once once we set these misunderstandings aside, we should be able to see and celebrate the rich unity and diversity of the Bible and to use it for all it's worth in the ways Paul now encourages. Or perhaps we should say, to let it use us. The spirit who caused it to be written, who spoke through the different writers in so many ways, is as powerful today as ever, and that power through the written word can transform lives. So as creation is God-breathed, as people are God-breathed, they have life. And so do our sacred writings, gathered up into a collection of stories, of history, of poetry, of song, and we call it the Bible. I agree with what Wright says here. Not that he needs my approval. The thing that bothers me more is that changing the word to inspired doesn't make the image as clear as God breathed. Does anyone find it incredible that God uses us to write down scripture? His God breathed words? You know, think about the story, right? God places us in a garden after forming us out of clay and then breathing life into their lungs. He tells us not to eat of the tree. One, one tree out of all of them. And of course, what do we do? What would you do? I know what I would do. I would eat it. Then we kill each other. We lie to each other. We harm the earth. And then God comes up with this great plan. I'm going to use these ones who got it all wrong to write my words of life, to breathe my message into. (laughs) In my mind, God's breath has always been in creation. It's been written in the trees, and we could see it. But people needed it written down. But if God wanted it done well, why didn't he outsource this job? This God who breathes life into us, into words, longs for us to participate in his breath. He invites us into his story. That God includes man to help write a story Imperfect people with imperfect language to speak of something so far beyond words is incredible. And then on top of it, he doesn't just have us write them, but then he has us become his messengers to share the story. Unfortunately, we have often taken the story, these words of life, and we've turned them into words of death. John 5, 39 to 40 says, you search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life. But the scriptures point to me yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders here. They knew these words, these God-breathed words. They knew them by heart, and yet they missed what Jesus was doing. And they missed that Jesus was the one these words were about. They missed the point. They missed the words of life, God-breathed words. And these words of life were eventually the ones that they killed Jesus with. 1 Corinthians 13 1 says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Paul knew that we were capable of even taking angelic language and using it without love, and that even heavenly language became useful without God breath. I recently watched an incredible series called Midnight Mass, and There are two things I loved about this show. The first is that it's a vampire movie, or a vampire series, and I love vampire series. Just an aside for those uh, that are wondering. Twilight series is not vampire. It's something else, so don't include it in that genre. But if you choose to watch this show, you need to know that because it's a vampire movie, it is gory and violent. The second thing that I loved about this, this show is the amount of scripture is quoted is unbelievable. The show must be a commentary on how people have used words of life, these God-breathed words, as words that lead to death. I found the gore and the violence to pale in comparison to the chilling use of Scripture to get people to do horrible things. If you take time to read the Doctrine of Discovery, which is what the Church wrote about discovering North America, You will see how ideas of scriptures were used to kill aboriginal people. And many believe that this doctrine of discovery was only a continuance of ideas used in the crusades, which again, where words of life were used for death. And that all stemmed from the idea of just war. The reality is that all of the death that was caused was caused by people thinking of themselves better or right or justified, and the words led to death. Proverbs 18.21 says death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So let us no longer use God-breathed words to cause death unless it is the death of our ego, our power, our privilege. Paul tells us that these God-breathed words will teach us. And for us to learn, we often have to die to something. We have to die to an idea, to a perception, to a preconception, to an image. But these are all interior we allow the words to form us to prune us to cut us but we should not use the words of life as a weapon they can be turned inward to cut away our sinful nature but they should not be turned outward on others to hate to harm or to go against the very nature of christ who laid down his life who didn't use violence but forgiveness as the solution so how can we read scripture how can we use it if it's been abused for so long We can approach it, we can approach our sacred writings, our God-breathed words with humility, knowing that we are small, that we are dirt, and we are God-breath. We search for life in the scriptures, and this isn't always easy to do. There are many parts of scripture that don't look like Jesus. There are many things that seem to lead to death. And maybe the writers just like us were stumbling around in the dark, which is why Jesus came as the full image of God, the image of God in flesh. Our image of God must be renewed in Jesus again and again. After the the crucifixion of Jesus, two disciples walk away from Jerusalem. They go to Emmaus, and Jesus begins walking along beside them. At the end of that, in Luke 24, 27, he says, or he doesn't say this, but this is what it says. Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them things that were written about himself in all the scriptures. We use the scriptures to point to Jesus, the life-giving words to point to life. If we use scripture to enforce power dynamics, they become death. Jesus gave up power. He humbled himself to be born in a stable, unable to speak, depended on his mother Mary to be fed and changed. And if we use scripture to war against and judge people who are not like us, they become words of death. Jesus says, love your enemy. And I have not come to judge, but to lay down my life. The scriptures point to Jesus. The God-breathed words point to the Word, who is in fact the one who breathed life. John 1, 1 1-5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. In him was life. In him is life. In him is God breath. His life is our life. This is mystery. This is beauty. In his book, All Things Beautiful, Chris Green says, For Christians to be human is to be gifted and tasked with the capacity for taking what is, transfiguring it, and making a gift of that transfiguration to God and to neighbor. If we open our eyes to the beauty of God breath, we see how it is woven into our creation into our continued existence, to the work of our hand and to the love of neighbor. I want you to picture communion right now with me. What are the elements that we use? Bread and wine. Notice that both of these elements require God and human. Wheat comes from God. It isn't something that I can make or you can make. Neither can we produce the rain that helps it to grow or the dirt or the sunshine. We can, however, take the wheat and harvest it, grind it, add oil and yeast, and make bread. Grapes also come from God, a gift through creation. We can't make grapes, I can't make grapes, but we can take the grapes and pull off our socks and shoes and stomp around on them to make juice. I find it incredibly important that the gifts, that the elements of communion are joint efforts. God created and human transformed. God breath for us feels extremely special sacred and rare and i would say that it is it is sacred and it's special but i don't think it's all that rare look all around you the trees the sky the animals the vast oceans the roaring rivers god breath take a second to look at the person beside you god breath when we finally see god's breath in creation we will care for it in a way that honors god's life and when we see God breath in the person in front of us, we will love our enemies. We will long to know them and to know him better. In John 20, Jesus says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus reminds his followers that they are God-breathed. He breathes on them again. He breathes on them to receive the Spirit we too need to be reminded of our God breath so that the breath of God in us recognizes the breath of God in Scripture and in others. We point to life within the Scriptures. We, anticipate, we participate in the life with the giver of breath. We share God breath with others. And now, may the light of Christ be in you. May the breath of Christ, God sustain you and the presence of the Holy Spirit fill you. Amen.